says, hey, good morning. What day is it? No, I'm just kidding. I feel like I need to like hype everybody up today. Y'all look great wearing your chiefs. If you're not wearing your chiefs, I will not make awkward eye contact at you. <clears throat> just kidding. <laughs> Appreciate the support, right? It's going to be a great day. Hey, we're glad you're here. Glad you chose to be here. It's going to be a really fun day. Here at church, we have a great message for you, a lot of great energy and worship coming your way, and that really is the most important thing, but certainly secondary. We hope you guys enjoy this afternoon as well. Uh, When you came in um, and you had a seat today, you did not grab communion. We're going to have a different way of doing communion later, so that's okay if you don't have it yet. And then the Connect card, which is in the seat in front of you. If you're new here, you want to fill it out, leave it in the back to let us know you were here. That's great. If you want to scan that QR code, that takes you directly to our website. And that's where you can find a lot of information, okay? All right. So when you came in, you sat down, you have a pen, and you have a score predictor piece of paper. Everybody grab that. Open up your pen, your COVID-friendly pen. It might work. It might not. If it doesn't, just borrow your neighbor's. I want you all to take a second and write down your score prediction. Final score, go. Final score. Write it down. I'm going to give you a second. Write down the final score of the game. If somebody comes in late next to you, tell them to do the same thing. (laughs) All right. When you are finished, if you will pass it down your row to your right. And if nobody's all the way at the end of your row on the right, that's okay. You hang on to it. And I'm going to have Sarah come through with a bag and grab them. Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Beth Nugent. Thank you. Put your name on the back. Oh, my gosh. Darn it. Welcome to my brain. It's a fun place to be sometimes. Yes, score on the front, name on the back. Name on the back. All right, start running them to your right, Sarah. Oh, and Joanna, thank you, Joanna. Start grabbing them from everybody. And as they do that, I'm going to go through a few more announcements real quick, okay? Things that are happening here at the church. Daddy-daughter dance is this weekend on Friday night. If you're a dad, an uncle, older brother, and you want to come to that, please do. It's going to be a great time. Also let you know that our next midweek is happening Wednesday, the 22nd, 7 o'clock right here in the auditorium. Uh, so you don't have to do anything. You just need to come and show up and be ready to worship and learn. Okay, so that's Wednesday, the 22nd. All right. Anybody who's just coming in on your seat, you will see a score predictor sheet and a pen. We want you to write down what you think the score will be. And Sarah and Joanna will walk around for a minute or two and collect those from you. And we'll just stay tuned and we'll let you know what's going to happen with that later. All right. I would love to pray us into worship this morning. Uh, So if you would uh, go ahead and stand up and let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. And again, when we say worship, we're talking about everything that that, 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 falls into that category. That's our prayer time, our giving, um, our communion time later, our learning, um, and certainly our singing and how we just are in awe of you and our worship and our music this morning back towards you is just to thank you for who you are. Thank you for this church that you have blessed. And thank you for every person and family represented here today um, that the choice was made to come here because we value learning about who you are. We value the walk in faith alongside fellow believers and with you. So we pray over our service this morning. We pray that our worship is beautiful and pleasing to you. And we pray for Pastor Greg as he delivers your word later today. Thank you for this awesome opportunity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
just going to continue to worship so when you're when you're done chatting go ahead and come back and find find your place and let's continue to worship the lord this morning
It's out of Romans 4, 7 and 8. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. I just want to focus on that this morning. Like, there is no more record of your sin. If you had a debt, like, wouldn't it be beautiful if somebody just paid it for you, like some huge debt? And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we're going to sing about that and continue to worship him. Sweet. 
for you. God, what joy we have because our sin is not a debt that you hold against us. God, you valued us so much. You wanted to erase that debt so much that you sent your only son. That he died on that cross to save us. God, we are so grateful for that and thankful for that. Father, let us feel that joy that comes from being free of sin. Jesus' name, amen. You can go and have a seat. And if you will, we're just going to look at a few ways to give here at Southwoods. There's lots of cool things going on, so feel free to check those out. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Did you know that today is the day of the big game? <laughs> Did you know that? Just in case you were unsure, if you're visiting today and came from another planet or another state uh, other than Kansas or Missouri, uh, today is the day of the big game. The Kansas City Chiefs are, in fact, playing the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl today. Kind of a big game. As you can see, I am a fan. I am a fan, yes. Uh, I love football. I've loved football since I was a kid. I loved playing football when I was a kid growing up. I even played football into, uh, into my high school years. I was, in fact, a quarterback. Did you know that? Uh, have, I ever, have I ever shown you my high school football photo? Have I ever done that? Here, here it is. Just, I brought it along today just so you can see it. <laughs> I could only dream. In my dreams, I would be as good as Patrick Mahomes. And, and there's another quarterback wearing an eagle that I think would be saying the same thing after the day's over. Anyway, that's just, so, yeah, I'm getting, that's a little low. But anyway, uh, since it's uh, kind of a big, a big deal for the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl today, and, and here's the thing, with spy balloons going over and all kinds of other junk going on in our world, Guess what? You need to, need to decide to have a little fun. This is like, this is a teachable moment within goofiness here. And that is, you have to look for some things that are okay to have a little fun with. That's kind of what you got to do. That's part of sanity. It's part of joy. It's part of life. And so, uh, so that said, since today's a big deal uh, for the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl, we have today three prizes. Da, da, da. Three prizes. For those of you who guessed the score of today's game prior to the, just like during the announcement time. So if you're in the lobby, sorry, you missed out uh, during the beginning. Note to, note to self, get in there quicker. Get in there quicker. Uh, but for those of you who are here and guessed the score of today's game, hear me. The closest to what I think the score is going to be. <laughs> you with me? 
the closest to what I think the score is going to be, uh, you're going to get a prize. Now, let's translate that um, and let you down easy. If you happen to choose the Dirty Birds team to win, I'm really, really sorry, but there's nothing for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. We'll pray for you afterwards. Well, you can come down at the close, and we'll all gather around you, lay hands on you, and pray. But, that, but there's nothing. Uh, and I, I just have to say, I mean, I want, just think with me. Which team does Patrick Mahomes play for? Which team? Which team? He's a chief. He's a chief. So really, the only unknown about today is how many points will the Chiefs win by? That's all we don't know. But I have a prediction, and the final score of the game that I'm going to share with you now, I need a drum roll, please. The final score is going to be Chiefs 36, Eagles 24. Chiefs 36. Now, some of you, some of you don't share my enthusiasm for that score. Maybe because you picked wimpier numbers. But there are three people who wisely, wisely chose near me, and they each will win a prize here. So let me just make sure which is which here. So, so the, the, uh, the first prize goes to Jason Wang. Jason, where are you? Come on up. Jason, Jason, come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. Jason wins. A price chopper gift card for that game time snack attack this morning. Thank you. So congratulations. He chose Chiefs 36, 36, 36. Nailed it. Nailed it. And Eagles 21. And, and I, I apologize that I didn't have the faith you did. I chose 24 instead of 21. So I'm sorry, but thank you for, thank you for encouraging my faith. So, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give him... So Jason's the first prize winner. Second prize goes to Steve Mayhew. Come on up here, Steve. Steve is the official winner of an official Chiefs hat. Hats off to the Chiefs. There you go. And hats off to you. Thank you. For choosing 35 Chiefs, Eagles 27. So not quite the faith in our defense that, that Jason and I have, but, you know, we, you're, you're right there. 35-27. So good job, buddy. Good job. All right. And third prize, third prize goes to Debbie Brown. Debbie Brown. Debbie wins a lot of things. I, come on up here, Debbie. Debbie wins a lot of stuff. And uh, she is the official winner of a pair, official pair of Chiefs socks because today the Chiefs are going to sock it to the, uh, I know it's cheesy, sock it to the Eagles. And uh, her score, like Steve Mayhew, 35 to 27. So where there are two or three witnesses, Scripture tells us that uh, it shall be established. So anyway, uh, anyway, congratulations all of you. Go Chiefs. And... Uh, I enjoyed the football silliness. I don't know about you, but I enjoy it. So uh, it's, uh, it's fun to celebrate something good about our community, and uh, I guess really we ought to be praying that everybody plays well and healthy and that we play just a little better. That's, uh, that's what we should be doing. So, uh, yeah, the rest of our morning <clears throat> is going to be all about one of Jesus' primary pursuits. And believe it or not, it was not football. Uh, one of his primary pursuits, some of you will be glad to know, was fishing. Fishing, and that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have your Bible, open it with me to uh, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read a passage that's really pretty well known. Uh, it's an event that took place in the early years of Jesus' ministry. I encourage you to listen close as we read this passage together, reflect on it. Hope you'll uh, not just think about it this morning, but you'll think about it this week and in the days ahead. Luke chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1 after I take a drink. <clears throat> Luke 5, verse 1. This is what the text says. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen 
had left them or were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, uh, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, Please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as, the, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now in these verses, Jesus was giving his disciples a memorable lesson on spiritual fishing. It's really what he was doing in this moment. He was teaching with both his words, which he often did, but he was also teaching with his actions, which he often also did. In the text, Jesus shows up on the shore of Sea of Galilee, we see, and great crowds of people pressed in on him, trying to hear the word of God. Did you notice that? They were trying to hear the word of God, the text spells out. So to give himself a little room, and to expand his ability to communicate, because now he'd be speaking from out over the water. The water, would, the, 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 his voice would travel a little more. To expand his ability to communicate, he, he kind of went out, he borrowed Simon Peter's boat. He did a little offshore teaching, we see here. But when he was done, we find that Jesus, as was often the case, really wasn't done. The lesson wasn't over. Jesus decided that it was time to further expand his ability to communicate the word of God. You see, from Jesus' perspective, if everyone who needed and wanted to hear the word of God was going to be able to hear it, there needed to be more lines in the water. There needed to be more nets getting cast. There needed to be more followers of God fishing for people. So what we find in today's text is Jesus beginning his strategic pursuit for people who would partner with him in fishing for the souls of men and women, boys and girls. And hear me, Jesus wasn't looking for a few special elite fishing partners. That wasn't his strategy. Jesus wanted a multitude of normal people daily engaged in fishing. That's what his dream was, what his strategy was. How do I know that? Well, we're going to look at numerous passages of Scripture this morning that make the point. But in the interest of time, I simply want to ask you a question that has an obvious answer, and I just tell you right up front, it's not a trick question, but I want you to think with me about this. Who was it that Jesus was talking to in the text when he said, from now on, You'll be fishing for people. Who is he talking to? Just He's talking to Simon Peter, right? He's talking to James and John. He's probably Andrew because Andrew was Peter's brother. And we find out in the Gospel of John that Andrew was, in fact, the one who introduced Peter to Jesus. And that happened before all of this. This wasn't the first encounter they'd had with Jesus. So probably at least those four, maybe even a couple others, we're not entirely sure. But here's what you and I need to consider as we think about this. At this point in their lives, were these guys apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, miracle workers, demon caster outers, etc.? Were they that at this point? Answer me. No. Not even close. They were commercial fishermen, commercial fishermen, which means they caught fish, sold them in the market for a living. They were normal people with normal jobs trying to eke out a living during hard times of government oppression and taxation that made no sense and 
all kinds of crazy stuff that was going on in their day like there are crazy things going on in our day and have been throughout time. These guys were ordinary, average, normal people, hear me, like all of us. Like all of us. Here's the point. Jesus was not calling special people to fish for people on God's behalf like we often are tempted to think. Jesus was calling normal people. In truth, he was calling everyone, everyone who knew him, to fish on his behalf. And what was true then is still true now. It hasn't changed. And just as that truth created a little spiritual disequilibrium in Peter in the text... If you really take seriously what I'm talking about here, it may make you feel a little uncomfortable. But thankfully, fishing for the souls of men and women isn't as complicated as you or I sometimes make it out to be in our heads. It's really not as, it's not as difficult, not as complex. You see, spiritual fishing is more about being a gentle witness than being a salesman, you know? It's more about making the most of opportunities that come your way rather than forcing conversations or forcing things. Spiritual fishing is more about asking questions and caring for people than it is preaching lengthy sermons with lots of Bible verses and these and thous in our vocabulary. It's not about that. It's really not. Every one of us, regardless of our station in life, can partner with Jesus in fishing for people in the way he wants us to fish for people. Today's passage gives us a few insights on how to fish for people and live like Jesus. I'm going to highlight those real quickly. I'm going to apply them to us. Hope that you'll take note of them. You'll reflect on them. Assess your own life in these areas. Some of these are going to be things you're familiar with. Some of them maybe you hadn't thought about a, a whole lot. And my hope is that wherever you are on the continuum of your spiritual life, that you'll, that you'll just listen for the Holy Spirit through His Word, through the things we do here, to just draw you, to challenge you, to stretch you, to sharpen you in ways that will help you as you fish for people and as you try to live for Jesus. The first insight on how to fish like Jesus is that we need to learn to listen to Jesus and obey. We need to learn to listen to Jesus and obey. You know, we learn in the text that when fishing for fish or for people, it's important to just listen to him and obey because he has insights and wisdom and knowledge that just doesn't, you know, that doesn't naturally come to our mind. I mean, if you look in the text, Peter and the boys have been fishing all night. They had caught nothing, Peter says. Zero, nada. If you've ever been fishing, you've been there. I've been there. Fish long periods of time, catch nothing. But it's one thing if it's you and me. It's another thing if you're a commercial fisherman. It's a whole different deal to fish all night and catch nothing because now you're thinking, what bills will I not pay? What am I going mean, to, what, what, what is going to go undone in my life because there is no paycheck or is going to be interruption in the paycheck? And it's a big deal to them because these guys, they knew where to fish. They're professionals. They knew where to fish, when to fish, how to fish. They could think like fish, you know? You ever known somebody like that? I mean, got a couple of people here in this room who I know you can fish, and I swear you, can, you know what the fish are thinking. I have no clue, you know? I'm doing good to just find the lake a lot of times. But at this point in their life, there was nothing that these disciples didn't know about fishing. They were at the top of their game. They were elite in that respect. Except for this, they did not know what they did not know. They didn't. They had to learn that someone greater and smarter than them was Lord of all things, visible and invisible, which included fish and fishing. They had to learn that God's thoughts and plans often transcend conventional thinking, conventional strategy and methodologies like 
fish here or there at this time of day or night or in this particular way or using this bait or what they had they had to learn they had to learn the hard way you might say that uh, there was somebody who was actually more knowledgeable in control of things than them Nevertheless, Simon Peter proved to be an ideal student and learner in today's passage. If you were reading the text, you saw it. He responded to Jesus' fishing advice with these words. Luke 5.5, 5, Peter says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Notice what he says. But if you say so. Some of the translations say, but because you say so, same idea. If you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I'll do it. The key to fishing like Jesus and the key for most of what it means to live like Jesus is developing what Simon Peter demonstrated here. We need a because you say so, Lord, mentality. Because you say so, I'll do it. I'll do it. We need to learn to listen to Jesus and his word, even if it runs contrary to our conventional strategic way of thinking or living, even if it's an area that we're professionals in. We need to learn that, guess what? God is smarter than us in every endeavor in life. Parenting, business, investing, construction, in entertainment, technology, programming, football, etc. Pick your area. God is brilliant. Brilliant on a scale that we often don't fully comprehend. You know, we need to learn to listen to and obey Jesus. We need that because you say so, Lord, mentality. Because it's a key. Hear me. It's a key to fishing for people on Jesus' behalf. Because the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you in ways and he's going to coach you with things that you couldn't know, but he might tell you because he cares about the other person, guess what, more than you do. Remember, he's the one who died on the cross for them. And if we'll just learn to listen and try, even if it makes as much sense as in midday, going back out in the lake and throwing nets in, in deep water to fish for fish, if we'll, if we'll just learn that like God knows what he's doing and maybe he knows it better than me, it'll help us. It'll help us partner with Jesus in one of his primary pursuits in life, which is fishing for people to know that God loves them and that God cares about them and wants to shepherd their body, soul, and spirit now and for all eternity. It'll help. We've got to learn to listen to Jesus and obey. Which brings us to a second insight on how to fish and live as Jesus would want. We need to stay humble. Peter's humility was revealed by his obedience to Jesus' fishing advice in verse 4. You, you see that and. I mean, Jesus tells him to do something that doesn't make normal fishing sense. Peter humbly acquiesced. It was also seen in verse 8, his humility, where the text says this in Luke 5, 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm a sinful man. You notice Jesus didn't pick him up and say, oh, no. Oh, no. You're... He, he didn't correct him. He didn't, he didn't change 
you know, try to change his thinking about this. He didn't necessarily jump up and down on that, but he, what you find in Peter here, Jesus just lets him say it and lets it sit. Because, why? Because it's one of the keys to fishing for people and living for Jesus. Staying humble is one of the keys. We've got to stay humble enough to never forget that I'm a sinner and that God alone is holy, good, and pure. He's the only one good. And all the good that's come into my life is because, guess what? He's good. Not because I'm good or I'm all that smart. He's good. Peter understood that. You could say Peter was a little traumatized by the realization of the depth of his goodness and the depth of his own depravity. It's part of what's going on here. But Jesus embraced him anyway, which is a reflection of his mercy, his goodness toward Peter and certainly toward us. But humility is what prepares our hearts for a third insight on how to fish and live as Jesus would want. We need to be willing to partner with others. We need to be willing to partner with others because bringing in the catch, the kind of catch that God wants to bring into our lives, is always more than one person can handle. Look at our world. Send us some really complex, painful, horrible things to the lives of all of us. I mean, if we all know each other's stories to the core of our being, uh, we'd all be traumatized. I mean, we just would. Because some of you have experienced some things that only God can fully explain or understand. And if we're going to partner with Jesus in fishing for the souls of men and women, it's not a lone ranger job. We need each other. We need each other. It's one of the many reasons why being connected to a fellowship of other believers, a church, a good Bible-believing teaching church is really important. It's so important. Now, more could be said about this, but we'll save that for another day. But we've got to be willing to partner with others. Got to be willing to partner with others in this. The fourth and final insight on how to fish and live as Jesus would want shows up in the last verse of the text. Luke 5, verse 11, just gives us this summary of the whole event. It's really insightful if you deeply reflect on it for a while. The text says, And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. If we're going to fish for people and live as Jesus would want, then ultimately it really comes down to just saying, am I following Jesus or doing what I want? Whose pursuit wins out in my life? Is it his or mine? Most of you know that Lori and I are rather fond of our dog. You know, Gabe. And uh, here's a picture of Gabe just before the kickoff of the doggy bowl. <laughs> a little cheesy picture there, but uh, his name is actually, uh, truth, truth, Gabriel Mahomes Montague. <laughs> that really is his name. We named him because we knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to be Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes became Patrick Mahomes. So we, we knew that. Uh, he's ready for the big game today, as you can see, and uh, Gabe loves touchdowns. He's, he'll take a field goal, but he loves the touchdowns. He loves the touchdowns. Uh, Gabe will follow me wherever I want to go. That's why his picture's up here. If I want to go from one room to the next, Gabe will follow me. If I want to go to the mailbox... Gabe will follow me. He'll come to the edge of the, uh, the electric fence, and he'll sit there and kind of tremble looking at me because he knows if he keeps coming, he's going to get a shock. So he's trembling. Why? Because that's sort of his way of conveying to me, Dad, will you take my collar off so I can come with you? And sometimes I take it off, and sometimes I just tell him to sit. 
If I'm going to go on a long hike in the woods, guess what? Gabe will go with me. If I wanted to get on one of your boats, Gabe would come with me if I'd let him. If I want I, you, you name it, Gabe will come with me and do it if I'll let him do it. And here's the point. Every one of us needs to decide to follow Jesus like Gabe follows me. Some point in our lives, we've got to come to that place. We see in today's text that after the disciples experienced the miraculous catch of fish, guess what? They made a decision to fully, completely, unreservedly follow Jesus wherever he went, whatever he did, to do whatever he said. If it made sense to them, great. If it didn't, it didn't matter because guess what? It didn't make sense when he said, go out into deep water and cast your nets to catch fish. That didn't make sense either. But they were personally, they had personally experienced their boats almost sink and their nets almost tear in two with the miraculous catch of fish. When they decided to fully follow him, it changed everything for them. They endeavored to follow Jesus and to pattern their lives after him in every way they could, in speech, in service, in acts of mercy, in prayer, in humble sacrifice, in more. But specifically what you find as you watch the rest of Scripture unfold throughout the Gospels and on into the book of Acts and throughout church history, what you find is that these ordinary fishermen became extraordinary men of God. You get to Acts chapter 4, and I mean, they're in front of, in front of the knowledgeable, the learned Sanhedrin, the very group that condemned Christ, and they're analyzing these you know, Peter and John who are here, and they're looking at their lives, and they're just saying, what is the deal? They're turning the city into chaos. I mean, it's turned everything upside down, the gospel of, of Jesus. And, and look, at these, look at these people who are making it happen. The text says they're ordinary men. Now, by this time, they were apostles, evangelists. Pastors and teachers, they were by this time, but they were still just ordinary men who'd learned to listen to Jesus and obey, who had stayed humble, who decided that in every respect, you know, they were going to partner with each other and they were going to follow Jesus, do whatever he said, whenever he said it, go wherever he wanted them to go. And you and I are sitting in this room or listening online today because of what they did. We are the recipients, the beneficiaries of their legacy of faith. Who's going to be the recipient, the beneficiary of your faith? Who's that going to be? Obviously, we'd want our kids to be that. Let me tell you, the kingdom of God is bigger than your children. It's bigger. He wants to fill boats, multitudes of boats, with spiritual fish. He wants to depopulate hell and crowd the halls of heaven with people who are part of our lives. Will you devote yourself to partnering with Jesus in one of his primary pursuits of life, which is fishing for people. I'm not saying quit your job, don't quit your day job, you know. You don't have to do that. Remember that he's not asking you to be a salesman or force conversations. But Jesus is asking every one of us to be a truthful witness on his behalf as he brings people into our lives. Let's partner with him in fishing for people. Just a few moments, we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together uh, this morning. And as we do that, obviously, like we always do when we share in the Lord's Supper, we want to encourage you to spend a few moments thanking Jesus 
for who he is, what he did for his death on the cross, that he would love you, love me to such an extent that he would sacrifice his own, his own life, his own body. You know, you just think about it. I mean, he, he gave up marriage, he gave up children, he gave up a long list of things that could have been a part of his life had he willed for that to be the case. But he's, he laid all of that aside in addition to a throne in the heavens so that he could be a substitute sacrifice for the sins that you've committed, I've committed, people of the world have committed. Lots of people wandering around our world under a burden of shame and guilt and sin and just sure that God's condemned them, and he has unless they will humble themselves and turn to him in faith and repentance. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he did not just for you, but for them. Jesus longs for them to hear, longs for them to know. I mean, if you paid the penalty he did, would you want anybody to, to not know? Think about it. I mean, would you? I mean, some of us, we, you know, we do some little good thing and we want everybody to know. Well, what if, it, what if the good thing you did was that you died on a cross for their sins? Do you think you'd want people to know? Of course you would. Part of why he's pleading with us in Scripture and these guys and us to partner with him in this, recognizing that he paid a horrendous price but he did it for love for every one of us and every person we lock eyes with in the course of a day or a week. Did you share in the Lord's Supper this morning? Thank Jesus that he did that. But ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit and help you do your part to fish for people. Probably not asking most of us to give our lives pursuit of that. I mean, it's, he could, but probably what he's asking for most of us is we'll open our mouths. We'll think of somebody other than ourselves. We'll reach out to the people around us and be a witness and truthfully testify the difference he's made in our lives and the difference he can make in their lives if they'll give him a chance to share in the Lord's Supper this morning. Think about those things. Pray about those things. Offer your heart to God again afresh, okay? I'm going to pray with us. We're going to, this morning, just so you look up here, we've got our communion trays up here. So we're doing it a little differently today than we routinely do. But I'm going to pray, and as soon as I finish praying, um, you're welcome to get up as the music is playing. And, uh, just come get a communion cup. And pray up here for a few minutes you can if you want to return to your seat immediately you can just do that after a couple of minutes we're going to sing a worship song together and, and we'll close out in prayer okay so let's pray together now and then uh, we'll share in the Lord's Supper Lord Jesus we thank you that you sacrificed so much for us you gave your life on the cross you sacrificed your body to abuse and suffering on our behalf. We don't deserve mercy like that, but we're eternally grateful. And today we honor you for that as we share in the Lord's Supper. We remember, we're remembering the price you paid. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you fill us with your spirit that we might not only have gratitude in our hearts, but that we would take grace everywhere we go people we can encounter that they might know that you love them to the extent that you love us that you paid a horrendous price that they might experience an amazing gift life eternal everlasting in a relationship with God the Father who cares about them more than they understand so we take these emblems Thank you, and fill us. Fill us with your spirit. It's our prayer, and we lift it in Jesus' name. Amen.
don't have to stand in our sin and stand in our debt. God, that you wash that crimson away with your own blood. God, that we are pure and that we are right and that we are good because of you, because of what you've poured into us, Father, through your Holy Spirit. Be with us, God, today. Thank you for these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good Sunday. Go Chiefs.